Welcome to the Jenny Catron Leadership Podcast, brought to you by Foresight. At Foresight, we are cultivating healthy leaders to lead thriving organizations. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. Please enjoy the rest of our show. Hey, everyone. I hope you're doing great today. I'm your host, Jenny Catron, founder and CEO of the Foresight Group. And uh, we're spending this month talking about one of my favorite subjects, which I'm not tired of it. You might be getting tired of it, but we're talking about team culture. So let me describe a scenario for you and see if it resonates. It's a new year. You've started a new budget. The resources were released for you to hire that new role that you desperately need. You even had a candidate or two in mind, so you quickly could jump into interviewing And you even did your due diligence in interviewing this time. You followed the three C's of recruiting for character, competence, and chemistry. All the boxes were checked. The new employee gets here. You're excited. He or she is excited. And you all jump in head first. You're excited about what's ahead. Fast forward six months. And what does the situation look like now? My guess is that one of two things have happened. Your new employee is thriving. They've gelled with the team. They're knocking it out of the park. And uh, you're ecstatic that they're on the team. Everything is going well, up and to the right. Like this was the perfect hire. Everything's fabulous. Or, as is more likely, frustration has begun to set in, right? The honeymoon's over. You're not quite sure why they don't just get it. You were so thorough in your interview process, at least you thought you were. They seem to know what to do, but often you wonder why they do things the way they do it. It's not that what they're doing is necessarily wrong, but it's just not the way we do it. It's baffling to you that it isn't obvious and that, you know, they've been here six months and it's just starting to get more frustrating to you that they're not picking up on who you are and what you do and how you do it. Sound familiar? If so, you've probably got a classic case of expecting cultural osmosis. Osmosis meaning a usually effortless, often unconscious assimilation. We just kind of figure it'll all just work out. See, this is the challenge for us as leaders. We expect that culture will be caught. It feels so obvious to us. And we've given into the idea that culture should be gleaned through osmosis an effortless, unconscious assimilation. We think that it's not going to take any work or we're not going to have to think about it. Everyone is going to magically work together, right? It'll all just work out. This was a good hire, right? And we expect to not have to put an effort to help people assimilate into our culture. And honestly, you guys, nothing could be further from the truth. Culture is one of the things that we need to be the most intentional about to steward, the most purposeful in creating, and the most fierce in protecting. Let me say that again. The culture is one of the things that we need to be the most intentional to steward, the most purposeful in creating, and the most fierce in protecting. As leaders, that's what we need to do. And this means that we have to move from a mindset of culture being caught to recognizing that culture must be taught. Now, before you can teach the culture, you have to be sure you know what your culture is. 
If you haven't listened to episodes 37 and 38 the last couple of weeks, I encourage you to go back and listen to those. Because in those couple of episodes, I guide you through some activities to help you define the culture that you have and that you want. The and being key to that equation, right? Remember, we need organizational self-awareness and we need to be honest about what is true about our culture and what is aspirational. So before you can teach culture, you have to be sure you know what your culture is. So go back and do that homework. Then we have to get deliberate about how we're going to teach the culture to everyone who is a part of our team. So much of what I'm sharing today is really a matter of mindset. And we've talked a little bit about this before, about that idea that we need to think different to lead better. There are places for us as leaders where we have to change our mindset. We have to think different to lead better. And when it comes to culture, there are a few things you need to think different about. First, the shaping of culture for your team is arguably the most important work you'll do. You can't accomplish your mission without a team that is aligned and working effectively together. Secondly, culture is not an episodic event of writing value statements, slapping them up on the wall with cool graphic design and calling it good. Culture is living and breathing and needs your attention every day. And then third, both the organization and the new employee have a responsibility in helping the new employee succeed in the culture. So let's look at each of these a little more closely. First, shaping culture is the most important work you'll do. I cannot say this enough. A famous quote from John Maxwell is, everything rises or falls on leadership. And it is true time and time again. We know it's true. That's the responsibility of leadership, that everything rises or falls on leadership. And that is true of culture. If culture is not owned by you as the leader, it won't be valued throughout the organization. What you champion, what you vision cast, what you repeat over and over is what your team will value. So while you'll likely need to delegate much of the implementation of the tactics to reinforce your culture, which we're going to get to some of that a bit later, you need to model it and make it a priority in your time, budget, and organizational attention. You have to own this and lead this from the front. And uh, we're not going to spend a ton of time on that. I kind of have hit that in a number of ways. But culture is some of the most important work that you'll do. And that is the mindset you have to start from. Secondly, culture is not an episodic event of writing value statements. Now, this is where I want to camp out for a bit, because this is where I see most organizations stall out. You go through the work of defining your core values, you slap those puppies on the wall, and then carry on as if nothing has changed, right? You've done a ton of work to get to this point, but then you kind of stall out. And if I can be honest with you for a minute, this actually could be more detrimental to your culture than it will be helpful. Like if you just go through the exercise of writing values, but you don't carry it beyond that, it actually could be more detrimental to your culture because getting the team energized about these aspirations but then not doing the ongoing work to embed these values into your day-to-day rhythms, your team's just going to think that it's just another big idea that we've moved on from. And if you're a visionary leader, we can be guilty of this, right? That we get a big idea, we put some feet to it, but we don't carry it all the way through. And then it's just another thing that we're like, oh, remember that time when, right? They become those negative legends in your culture. So do this work. And and the process of writing values is actually pretty time-consuming. Usually, The process of value writing should take you several months and several iterations to get right. 
This is not an afternoon session. This is a commitment to getting perspective, doing some brainstorming, getting some feedback, refining some more, and then ultimately deciding on the three to five values that are essential for your team to live out your mission and vision. So it needs appropriate time. I want to challenge you with giving the value work plenty of time, but don't stall out there. If you do that process well, I understand why you'd feel like you've reached the finish line, right? Because you've put a lot of time and attention into it. But let me caution you that you, that you haven't reached the finish line. You actually just got to the starting gate. That was like the pre-qualifier. Now the hard work of intentional, conscious assimilation of those values into your culture or into your team begins. In his book, Culture Wins, William Vanderblumen defines the employee life cycle in nine stages. He says there's interviewing, hiring, onboarding, daily rhythms, monthly rhythms, annual rhythms, compensation, reviews, and firing or separation. And these nine stages give you a roadmap for ensuring that you're intentionally, consciously assimilating your team to your culture. So here's a couple things to kind of get you thinking about those nine stages. Are you interviewing with your values in mind? When you're, when you're interviewing, your values should be shaping the questions and the stories and things that you're trying to get out of your potential interview or the people that you're interviewing. How does your hiring process reflect your values and begin to help your new employee experience your culture? So once they're interviewed and you're into that hiring process, does the hiring process reflect your values? And then as you're onboarding, does your onboarding process have intentional opportunities to teach your new employee your culture? Remember that you've got to move from culture being caught to culture being taught. So in your onboarding process, are you intentionally teaching your new employee your culture, those values, beliefs, and behaviors that are core to who you are? What are you doing daily that reinforces culture with not just your new employees, but with all your team? What are you doing monthly to be intentional with culture? Maybe your staff meetings, special events, et cetera, is culture infused in those things? What do you do annually to build culture? Staff retreats, planning days, et cetera. Is how you compensate, okay, so this is a big one, is how you compensate your team congruent with what you value. Guys, this one's super big because if you have something in your values that talks about generosity or respect, or you can put a ton of words in there, but somehow your compensation isn't congruent with those values, that's going to be a big derailer of your culture. So uh, is how you compensate your team congruent with what you value? Does your review process allow for providing feedback on how your team are living out your values? So does your review process actually review people on your values, on your culture? That can be a part of your review process. And then finally, when an employee leaves, how do you handle it? Whether you've had to let them go or they choose to go, how you handle team members moving on speaks volumes about your culture. It speaks volumes to the people who are staying it speaks volumes to the people who are watching from afar. It tells them so much about who you are as an organization. And so in those departures is how you behave congruent with what you say you value. Is it all in alignment? Now, I've like powered through those nine stages of the life cycle just quickly because I just want to get you thinking. Next week, um, Ashley Warren, who is one of our culture consultants here at Foresight, she's actually joining me on the podcast. And we're going to dig in a lo- little more specifically about the ways that you can intentionally, consciously 
and systematically, I'm going to keep saying that phrase over and over again, the ways that you can intentionally, consciously, and systematically infuse your culture into the life cycle of each employee aligned with the rhythms of your organization. So we're going to dig into a lot more practical hows next week, but I just want you to start thinking through those nine stages of the life cycle, right? Uh, From interviewing, hiring, onboarding, the organizational rhythms, daily, monthly, annually, compensation, reviews, and separation. What does it look like at each of those stages? How is your culture reflected there? And then the last mindset that we need to consider uh, is the third one, that both the organization and a new employee have a responsibility in helping that new employee succeed in the culture. Okay, both the organization and the new employee have a responsibility to helping that employee succeed in your culture. And from my personal experience, this is a big one. If I can be honest, I underestimated this one for a long time. When I was at Crosspoint, I had essentially grown up with the organization. Before I came on staff, I was actively involved as a volunteer. And so I was really familiar with our culture. I just knew who we were, what we were about, what we valued, et cetera. And in those early years, I definitely caught culture more than I was taught it. Uh, And it was assumed most everyone we hired would as well. So that's kind of normal for a young organization that we do kind of anticipate that everybody will just catch culture. And because we're a small, scrappy team, that tends to be mostly true. And as we grew, culture remained really important to us. And we did get more systematic with how we infused culture throughout the organization and throughout the employee life cycle. We really attempted to move from culture being caught to culture being taught. Not perfect, but we definitely got better at it. But if I'm honest, I didn't really think about what we needed to do to help a new employee succeed. I thought more about what they needed to do to embrace our culture. It was kind of a very selfish perspective, right? That I thought they had to do the work to succeed in our culture and to embrace our culture. And I underestimated what we needed to do to help them succeed. So fast forward to my transition from Crosspoint to Menlo, where now I was the new girl trying to understand and fit into a new culture. And my eyes were really opened to the importance of the organization understanding what it takes for an employee to succeed in a new culture. We often use the word transplant, right? When we uproot from a known environment and plant ourselves in a new one. And in my case, I was transplanting across the country, right? So it was not just a new uh, a team culture, but it was also a new culture in general. So lots of new things that I was trying to understand and embrace. And as I was navigating my own transplant, some friends of mine were walking through the painful ordeal of their daughter having a liver transplant. Now, these two things far different in scope and, and importance, right? So while my organizational transplant was nowhere near the life or death situation that my friends were facing, and I'm not trying to compare them in that context at all, but something that they shared with me had an uncanny application to what I was experiencing. See, one of their specific prayers was that their daughter's body wouldn't reject the new liver that she was receiving. And in order to help the body accept the new organ, they had to give the body anti-rejection meds. So, of course, you're, I'm expecting, you know, with my limited knowledge, right, I'm expecting that the new organ has to, like, adapt to the body. But I was really intrigued by this idea that they were making sure that the body didn't actually reject the new organ. And uh, so super fascinating that there was this both and, right, that the new liver has to fit in the new body, but the, the body had to not reject the new liver. 
And that's about the extent of my medical knowledge and understanding. I think the concept has some pretty profound implications for us as culture leaders. See, we can't just assume that a new employee will merge into our culture without some work. There's no such thing as cultural osmosis. We have to intentionally, consciously assimilate new employees to help them succeed, right? They have to do the work of understanding culture and attempting to fit in. But we as an organization have to understand what it's taking for them to make that adjustment. And we have to make sure that we're doing the things and we have the processes and the systems that help make sure that they are able to embrace that culture as well. So what are the anti-rejection meds we need to take as an organization? How do we make sure that we don't unintentionally reject this new organ, this new employee, right? Like back to that example that I shared at the top of the episode that, you know, we, we are off to the races, we're off to a great start. But if we don't intentionally do some things to make them succeed, we're going to find ourselves a few months down the road and wondering why we're getting frustrated, they're getting frustrated and things aren't working. So what are the anti-rejection meds we need to take as an organization? Do we reject new employees without teaching them about our values, beliefs, and behaviors that shape our culture? Right? Are we not equipping them with what they need to succeed? Do we expect them to do all the work, or are we creating the opportunities that help them adapt and succeed? See, culture work is hard work, but it's incredibly rewarding work. I know I'm the bearer of bad news most of the time. I'm so sorry. But culture work is hard work. It takes diligence, persistence, patience from us as leaders. But we get the privilege of aligning a team of people to accomplish the mission that we're called to. This is a privilege, you guys. We get to take all these unique individuals with their gifts and strengths and experiences and opportunities that God has given them, align that collection of all these unique individuals around a mission with a shared culture And when we can do that successfully, we get to accomplish the mission that we are all passionate about and feel called to. When a team is aligned and working together, it's extraordinary what they can achieve. And that's why culture matters. That's why we need you to lead it well. So next week, Ashley Wern is going to join me and share her experience. She was Director of Employee Culture at Crosspoint. So Ashley and I worked together for about 10 years, kind of collectively stewarded the culture piece when we worked together. And then when I went on to Menlo, she was promoted into the role of director of employee culture and did a phenomenal job helping lead the way there. And then now, which I'm pretty excited about, she's one of our culture consultants here at Foresight. And so she comes and works with teams like yours to help lead you through some of these activities that we've talked about Things like helping you define those values, beliefs, and behaviors, helping you think through all the steps of infusing culture into your life, into your employee and organizational life cycle. And so she's going to come next week and share some practical ways we can infuse culture into the rhythms of our organizations. So make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. And uh, it's a huge help. If you rate, review, share, please, we love for more people to know, learn, and be just continue to grow and learn about what it means to lead well, especially in the area of culture. And then don't forget that we have a free culture workbook that will walk you through the steps of defining your culture. Uh, So it's a great resource to kind of get you started on this journey. And you can text Foresight, that's the number four, and the word SIGHT, S-I-G-H-T, to 773-770-4377. So text Foresight, the number four, the word SIGHT, S-I-G-H-T, no spaces, 
to 773-770-4377 and it will get you that download. You'll also get our weekly leadership insights that are just weekly articles all about leadership, helping equip you on your journey as a thriving leader. And uh, guys, remember my passion is to cultivate healthy leaders like you to lead thriving organizations. So keep leading well, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Jenny Catron Leadership Podcast. If you have any questions, please email Jenny at podcast at get the number four site.com. If this content has helped you in any way, we would love for you to share this podcast with your friends and on social networks. Also, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of the amazing content coming from the Jenny Catron Leadership Podcast. Your comments mean the world to us, so please rate and leave comments on our podcast. And remember, you need foresight for success. We will see you next time.